Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Today's show, we have Hal Guerin, who is the Managing Director at Audit Executive Advisory Service. For those who don't know, Hal was recognized by the IAA as a top 10 internal audit thought leader of 2020. So very much appreciate his time and coming on the show and, and sharing his audit thought leadership. Um, but to start the show, I actually tell a story about how Hal just absolutely crushed my confidence. The first time I ever posted, or, or I guess left a comment on LinkedIn uh, a few years ago. So uh, after that, I stopped talking and the show gets a lot better. When Hal starts talking about what going back to the office looks like in terms of what audits roles should be right now and having those discussions. So that's something that um, was a, he made a lot of really good points that I hadn't considered. So that's something definitely worth checking out. And then we talk about how internal audit can stay relevant right now that's a, a topic that Hal's been talking about during uh at least you know during 2020 so something he's done a lot of research and given a lot of thought into and then we talk about also how the pandemic has since we're working from home we're working more but maybe we're we're not being as strategic in that work as maybe we should be as audit leaders as CAEs and how that's led to this unintended complacency and so maybe if that that is the case then you know we ask well what can we do to fix that and one of the things we talk about is actually a, a data visualization tool you could call it that we actually use everyone uses every single day so i thought there were some interesting points that were made there and then lastly a question that i've been asking you might have noticed recently is what commonly held belief do you passionately disagree with in the profession so we get we get how's opinion there a couple of resources uh, that I left in the show notes that were discussed. Hal's kind of going away message is to is about audit and adapting agile into audit. And so one of the resources he mentions is um, a webinar on the C-Risk Academy platform called Agile Auditing Best Practices for an Easy Transition. So you'll see that link in the show notes. Also included from the internal audit360.com website, which was is is run by Joseph McCafferty, who was on episode 23. Um, so if you don't know, internalaudit360.com is just a really good resource where people like Hal will write articles and um, sometimes there's webinars and sometimes there's podcasts and things like that, but it's mostly article driven. So it's it's a good resource. But 
Um, Hal's article, Death of the Audit Report, It's Time to Reconsider How We Convey Internal Audit Findings is the most read article on the website. If you go there, so I'll put the link in the show notes, but even if you just go to the internalaudit360.com website, it's usually featured on the front page because it it has been so popular. So I wanted to include that. And then lastly, I included Hal's um, LinkedIn profile, uh, a link to his LinkedIn profile. Hal is prolific on LinkedIn and probably in terms of audit content, definitely the most consistent uh, as far as putting stuff out there. So if you, even if you're one of those that, um, one of those folks just logs in once every week or so, Hal's someone to connect with because <laughs> as you're scrolling through, you're gonna see something that Hal writes and um, it'll, it'll definitely make you think and um, make you more informative. So that is it, here we go. And I don't think I've told you this before, but it was a few years ago and I knew that I wanted to do more on LinkedIn. I was like very passive. I was a scroller. I didn't, I don't even know if I had liked anything at that point. And so I was like, okay, I want to, you know, I need to get more involved. There's good stuff out here. And so we had been a connection for, I don't know, months or years or something like that. And so I'd seen your stuff and even at that point, very much respected uh, your opinion on the profession and uh, and otherwise. And I can't remember what you wrote, but you wrote something and I was like, okay, this will be the comment. This will be the first one. I'll reply to Hal. <laughs> and I spent, you know, I, I thought, okay, this is what I'll write. And then I wrote it and I was like, nah, I don't like that. And then I got, <laughs> you know, I would do something else and come back to it. And then I was like, nah, I don't like that either. So it took about, half a day and then finally it was um i was at the offices you know time to go and i was just like okay whatever i'll hit send so i hit it and then i uh i drove home and i got home and i opened my phone i was like okay i wonder if i wonder if anybody said anything back and i opened it and your comment was trent i'm not really sure what you mean by that can you explain more (laughs) Oh man. <laughs> I was just like, oh, it took hours to come up with that. And then Hal went, what? <laughs> so Say what? I, I never, I never forgot that. And that was probably three years ago, um, at least that, that, that happened. So that's a, something I wanted to share. It's a, uh, something like, again, like I said, I well, I'm sorry. I apologize for that. Well, no. And then, you know, then, and since then, even before then, like, I think you're probably one of the best people like on the internet in terms of, when you reply back to someone or comment back to someone, it doesn't feel like you're, you know, like speaking offensively or like you're attacking someone. It seems like it's like well thought out. It's well written and you can read it and go, yeah, even if I don't agree, you know, I don't, I don't read it in like a negative tone. So it's um, very much appreciate what you do for, you know, you know, I I wish I believed what you said and some of the stuff I've done because there are plenty of times where I go, Boy, I wish I could take that back. <laughs> All right. So I know one of the things that we talked about last time that I thought was interesting, uh, and if I if I say it like this, or if I can say it like this, when whenever someone mentions a risk that I haven't considered, and I go, wow, that's you know, that's a really good point. Um, and one of those is, is something that you mentioned that I want to get your opinion on or have you share with the audience is what going back is going to look like in terms of audits role in that. So I know we had talked about, you know, 
do employees, you know, if, if, if we're going to make employees get the, the vaccine, what does that mean? And, and audit being involved in those, those conversations on the front end instead of the back end. So I, I was, I was wanting to see if you could just kind of speak to that to the audience also. Okay. So, you know, I mean, there, I could talk for hours on that topic, but I, you know, I was just on a call with some other CAEs and we were talking about what a return to work might look like. And it's going to be different by company and different companies in the same sector may behave act differently. But where we landed was our CAEs having conversations with the head of human resources to really understand what they're thinking about as it relates to whatever is being decided from a return to work standpoint, because how do you, whatever decisions the company is making, there are going to be some people, maybe a lot of people who won't like it. Now the, the, the go home and everybody work from home or work remotely was like a flick of the light switch. You didn't have time to think about it from any companies. It was just do it, deal with it how organizations decide to come back, what their expectations of their employees will be, vaccines, not vaccines, there's a whole host of stuff. But the real issue about risk is going to be, what is the collective psyche of the organization as those decisions get rolled out and they affect work units and they change however people have gotten comfortable with whatever the current state has been the last 10 months or so. What does it mean for the culture at a macro level? What does it mean for the culture and individual work units? Where are people's heads collectively? You know, this or my organization is making me get a vaccine. My organization is not requiring me to get a vaccine, but if as a, you know, Darden is a restaurant chain that you know publicly announced they're making they're not making their employees get vaccines but they're asking everyone who demonstrates they've gotten the vaccine can prove it they will get four hours of pay mm -hmm. added to their paycheck you know what pressure does that create for those individuals who may want to say you know what i've chosen for whatever host of reasons I'm not going to get the vaccine. And where do they think that, what do they think about the organization and how that might have changed? So having conversations with the head of human resources as the CAE and just really understanding what the thought process is, is how we're going to manage employees. I'm sure it's all well thought out. Right. But as audit has been called upon to in some way, shape, or form, consider auditing culture. How is the culture going to be affected? Because that will have risk implications throughout the entire organization. Yeah, and I would imagine that the communication of whatever the strategy is, is going to be a huge piece of it and doing that in a, an effective way, you know? So it's not a surprise to anyone and, and not even that as much as it is, Hey, I disagree with this. 
which is one thing, but I understand why it is the way it is. You know, I can, if, if, if I can understand why we took that approach, then, you know, I can get comfortable with it and say, well, maybe I don't agree with it, but I understand it. And I know why we have to do it like that. And I think about it, how you think about it, just as it relates to your internal audit team. As you become informed, however you become informed as a leader of a department, a function, a group of people, you may or may not agree mm -hmm. with the decision, but you're expected to support the decision. So you got to get your head wrapped around that first, because then you're going to probably be the mouthpiece to your employees good point as it's going to affect your group yeah and you've got to support what the company's decided and know how you're going to communicate that and the more you are fully appreciating what the rationale and logic is and ideally been involved in those conversations right. you know ideally because it is fraught with all kinds of risk Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Maybe someone on your staff has as a designee for you. But you've got to make that transition from, okay, I'm thinking about it from the organization and risk standpoint that I've provided my input. Now the decisions have been made and now I'm a leader of my work unit and I've got to think through how I'm going to manage my staff. Right. And that's what I appreciated was what we were talking about it was if you haven't had those conversations, if that directive hasn't been pushed down yet start asking those questions you know get with hr like you talked about i think that's a, a great takeaway is to start having them if you haven't had them already and i think that lends itself to my next question in that that is a way for internal audit to stay relevant right now a huge way to stay relevant right now um what are some other ways in the the current um the way we're currently operating and by that i mean mostly remote in which we can stay or continue to stay relevant? Well, I think while there are exceptions to what I'm going to say, where internal audit functions have increased or elevated their relevance by how things have rolled out for their organization and how they've played, for many internal audit functions, however relevant they were, and relevance is not... This is a, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, you know, relevance is not what you, how relevant you think you are. Mm -hmm. It's how relevant the organization thinks you are. And however relevant you were in some time in March in the organization, you and your function might be as relevant. Oh yeah. You lost relevance, if anything, as yeah. time has gone on by being out of sight, out of mind, not visible, not present. Uh, there are exceptions, like I said, but for many. And so if the internal audit function driven by the leadership um, has not proactively managed relevance over the last 12 months, it's not too late, but if you haven't been managing your relevance proactively, you gotta be doing it. What, what would you be know? a general, a general takeaway? Hey, I don't think I have been managing mine appropriately. How suggested I do this and like high level. I know that there's specifics that would be, 
based on industry and things like that, situations, things like that. But if there was a, a takeaway from that, something to act on, what would you, what would you pass along? Has, have, has the incidents occurred more frequently where meetings have happened and you weren't invited and you would have been invited before? You know, before you would walk around the organization and you'd say, well, wait a minute, the head of compliance and the head of risk management and those other people, I usually am in those meetings and I wasn't there. So you, you'll find out what went on and you'll course correct and you'll modify a lot. Now, is there stuff going on that you learn about with greater frequency after the fact? Nice. That's a huge clue that yeah. something's happened in terms of your yours or your staff's relevance what to do about it look at your calendar look at your calendar over the last three months and look at your calendar going forward and is there time built into that calendar where you're proactively outreaching to key people in the organization, key influencers, executive leadership, and making sure you have had and are planning to have those touch-based conversations, keeping visible. Um, and if not, you got to be doing that. Yeah. Um, yes, it feels very intrusive to get on people's calendar when you don't have a whole lot to talk about. You know, um, because everybody is, you know, head down, executing work, getting things done. But in that head down, executing work, getting things done, and for internal audit, cranking out the audit plan, dealing with SOX work, whatever you have to do, the more you feel inc you're incredibly busy and the more you risk being less and less relevant because you're less and less visible other than exactly projects that are being worked on. Yeah. And I, what I appreciate about that being an analytics guy is looking at the calendar as an analysis, because your calendar is a, you know, it's a visual representation of your time, which you could say is your priorities or even your relevance, depending on what your calendar looks like or how you're being perceived if you're not in those meetings or not, um, or having those conversations. So that's a good way to to measure that to a degree to see um, where there's a gap, maybe something else that takes a, a few more steps. Um, you might have maybe your data analyst do this for you is, and, and you can, you know, Google how to do it. Most of us are on Outlook and Gmail is a little difficult to do it more difficult, but um, take a look at all your sent emails or look at your inbox and you can export that stuff to, access. I don't think you can do it in Excel, but you send an access, you can export in Excel and play with it, make it a little easier, but you can see, and you know, you basically just do a count um, or a, you know, a pivot table more or less of who's sending you emails and who you're sending emails to. And you can look at that and say, you know, should I, you know, should my communication be, should I have more communication with this person that I'm not, or should I decrease my communication with this person based on, you know, kind of what's going on right now. So like I said, it takes a, a couple steps, but it's hardly impossible. You can Google pretty much anything uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, um, but something, something maybe to consider. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and I agree with that. I think it's a great suggestion. Yeah. I think one of the things 
that is more intangible, but think about the way meetings would happen in a physical environment when you, you, if you had someone you really wanted to talk to right before the meeting, you'd go down to the, you'd go to the meeting early and hope you could catch them. Right. You'd swing by their office and walk to the meeting together and you just kind of position something on the way in, you know, you'd have a little sidebar conversation during the meeting with someone you strategically decided maybe where you wanted to sit and who you wanted to sit next to as the meeting was over you walked back with someone you know because you debriefed on it you made eye contact during the meeting and both had this well that was a load of crap yeah. you know whatever it was now, yes, you can do all of that stuff electronically. You can text, you can private chat, you can do, you can have the meeting before the meeting with someone and all that stuff, but it's much harder. It's less personal. It's very impersonal. And as human beings, we tend to not do that when it's not a real human interaction physically. And you think about all of those lost interactions. One, a few is not a big deal, but it's been building over 10 months of those little, little things that has taken away from your, the work environment, your, your relevance in the organization, your perception and how you manage your perception. Right. And I think all of that's very critical. And I don't think people fully appreciate that, um, how, how much that's lost. Because everybody's incredibly busy. Some people are busier than they have ever been in their career doing work. Yeah, which has been an argument for work from home for a while was, and they've studied it, that shows that if you work from home, it's, you know, eight o'clock at night. Usually if you don't work, you're like, well, i I'm so used to doing it and I might as well just clean out, you know, reply to these emails and, or just, let me just wrap this thing up real quick. So you tend to work more hours when you work from home, especially um, if you have been doing it for as long as most of us have been doing it now. And you get used to the idea of, you know, working from home almost regardless of the hours. Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy to use audit risk and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. But something that kind of tying into that is when we were talking last time was, you'd said that the, the pandemic, and I think you had done a, a poll on LinkedIn to kind of get some data around this also, that the pandemic had created this sense of being more tactical and less strategic which has kind of led to this unintended complacency. And so I was, I was wanting to see if you could expand on that. And then also even to the degree of what do you mean by tactical versus strategic and, and, and complacency, because I, you know, I hear complacency. I think people aren't doing their job, which isn't 
to go back to what we were just talking about, people are working more than ever. So I don't, you know, I don't think that's what's meant, but um, that was something that, that I thought was interesting. And I think it would be good for the listeners to hear also. Yeah. So I think it's a matter, a part of it is a matter of, you know, we have all, we all develop routines. And even though whatever our work routine was, you know, at some point in time in mid to late March of 2020, that routine was disrupted significantly. And we have, but we, over the period of time where we have been working remotely, we have developed a new routine. That routine may be, you know, that at 8 a.m. I fire up the PC, I jump on the first Zoom meeting. This is when I've got my interactions. I fill my calendar with stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always things to do. There's never a lack of things to do and things that you haven't got to that you wish you had and things on the to-do list. And all of those things that you might do from uh, interpersonal standpoint or relationship building standpoint gets pushed aside because people aren't stopping by your office, knocking on the door. They aren't dropping by the cube and having a chat conversation with you. You aren't, when, when you're home and you get up and, excuse me, run to the restroom, you know, unless it's a family member, you're not running into anybody at work on the way there or on the way back and, and having those conversations. And so you lose touch. And when you lose touch, it's easier for this complacency to set in. But I'm busy. I've never worked harder in my life. I get up, I work, I, you know, my my spouse is screaming at me from the other room of the house to shut it down, you know, dinner's ready or whatever it is. And we fall into a different routine. But be careful that complacency hasn't set in because you're so busy. And are you doing, because we're doing many things, are we doing the right things? Yeah. And that's where the strategic piece comes in that you're talking about, right? And, and I, I, I'm a big believer in, you know, um, you know, every week, look at, you know, Friday before you call it good, the, the week, you know, and I know people work on weekends, but I'll just be naive and say, you know, on Friday, when you call it good for the week, it's a great discipline. Look at your calendar. I know I said it before, you know, but look at your calendar. Are you happy with where you spent your time this past week? Are you, look at what you got coming up the next week. Are you happy with where that time is being spent? Are there things strategically you need to do differently? And before you call it good on Friday afternoon or Friday evening, adjust your calendar accordingly for the next week. Start getting proactive in how you're managing people, relationships, opting out of things that showed up on your calendar because your time is better spent. My time might be better. You know what? I looked, I got strategic on Friday afternoon. I haven't had a touch base with the CFO or the CRO or the COO or the CIO or whoever it is. I look back at my account. I hadn't touched base. I can't believe it. I hadn't even had a conversation with them in a month. 
get on their calendar. Oh, well, the only time they have available is the time that I'm doing this other thing. What's more important right now? Be strategic about how you're managing your time because otherwise complacency is gonna result in even accelerating that loss of relevance. Yeah, I like that idea of doing it you know, on a Friday, you're kind of worn out anyway, looking forward to the weekend. It's a good administrative type thing to do for a lot of folks, I feel like. Um, um, so last thing is, this is a question that I've, I've asked a lot of folks and usually get some, some good guidance from it. Um, but what is a commonly held belief that you passionately disagree with in the profession? There's a number of things that come to mind um, and things that have been um, top of mind for people throughout the pandemic. Um, and I'll tie, I guess the one that comes to mind specifically for me is as it relates to relevance. Has the organization needed internal audit to do things? needed you as the CA or needed internal audit to do things to be reactive to the crisis in the moment, highest and best use of resources. And you said no. Mm. And you said no a few times because can't do that because of independence or more likely objectivity concerns. Right. You right. think about the standards and all that stuff. Um, and my advice to CAEs has been throughout the pandemic, you know, maybe don't say no, or at least don't say no too often. It may not be a yes. It may be, well, I can't do that, but I can do this. And this is the way I think that the this is going to be really helpful in this circumstance. Um, and if you create independence or objectivity issues because you have been doing things, you personally or your staff, that might be operational in nature, but it was the right use of your resources to deal with an issue that the organization had, we've been in a crisis mode in many cases, then do it. Just make sure your audit committee knows and you deal with objectivity and independence issues later. Yeah. Um, and those functions that have figured out how to navigate that well have, are the ones that I said might be the exceptions, but they exist. They've increased their relevance yeah. in the organization because they figured out that this is what the organization needs. It makes sense. And I've got to set for, quite frankly, set the standards aside and deal with it later. And I think the commonly held belief is this, you know, no, I've got to stay independent. And more importantly, because independence is a function of where you report, more importantly, you know, that would affect our ability to be objective. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe so, maybe so, but you can deal with it. Yeah. I'd rather deal with it and help the company than not deal with it and then the company go down and not, you know, not be able to deal with it because I don't have a job anymore because the company went over, you know what I mean? So I think if you apply some judgment, which is, in my opinion, one of the things that we should be doing, like one of the skill sets that audit has better than most people 
constantly applying judgment. Well, what's the risk? What's the opportunity? That kind of judgment. Um, apply our own judgment to the situation, you know? So, yeah, I've, I've seen some talk of that and very much agreed with it. I think somebody made that point, like, okay, help now and keep the company afloat instead of not helping. And maybe the company goes under and you have no job. Like, which one do you think is the bigger risk there, you know? Um, and, and to be brutally honest, you know, I think at, for those organizations that have been material, their revenues have been materially impacted because of the business or the sector that they're in um, as a result of the pandemic. You know, every employee is, a, is going to be a cell in a spreadsheet somewhere. Mm -hmm. And when it comes time to say we've got to make reductions, you know, what impressions has internal audit function left in people's mind? Are you a cost center or are you a value enhancer? And that will have some bearing on how much internal audit might be affected by staff reductions. And yes, I understand. I know I'm going to be a little bit direct here, but I understand internal audit has a functional reporting relationship to the audit committee and the audit committee chair. And if internal audit resources are going to be impacted, the audit committee should weigh in on that. Well, yes, but, or yes, and, if the CFO really thinks that internal audit staffing needs to get cut, are they going to talk to you first? Or are they going to talk to the chair of the audit committee first right. Right. and make sure that what they believe is in the best interest of the organization needs to happen, happens. And you'll be downstream from that. And I don't mean to be so brutal, but it's a, it is a fact. Um, and so how are, how is, in, is internal audit, helped when the organization needed help in the time of crisis? If so, you're probably in a better position of adding value and creating the sense that, no, let's leave those resources alone for now. So the last thing, though, is I know you do some online training and speak to some groups and things like that. Is there anything that you have coming out that you would like the listeners to know about? Yeah, so there, there. Well, I have been doing some work with um, Jason Mefford and some of the stuff that Jason has been putting out, um, and I think that um, most recently the stuff you know, internal audit functions have all either started or contemplated starting some path down agile mm -hmm. and how to be more nimble, more responsive in their organization and what the organization's needs are and be able to get the traditional audit work done in a more um, effective set of cycles. And, but a lot of internal audit functions have also significant struggle. They've hired consultants to help. They've spent a ton of money and they're unhappy with where things have gone. Um, and so, um, you know, there's a number of things that um, I would you know, strongly encourage 
um, that is available on C-Risk Academy um, for on agile auditing, including you know, some free resources and some you know, a recent webinar um, that Jason did with Toby DeRoche um, that is available for replay if anybody hasn't heard it. But you know, agile is one of the things that using that terminology or not is still going to be part of internal audits future. And it will significantly add to how internal audit delivers value to the organization when done right. Yeah. So figuring out how to do it right um, is critical. And I would strongly encourage people to look at you know those resources. Absolutely. And Toby was one of the first few guests that we had on the show and we talked about agile then yeah. so that's a, a a resource also to consider is go back listen to that episode he Absolutely. was fantastic um the way he applied it to audit <clears throat> and the way he even described it to me was within internal audit it's not what, what we say it's there's agile with a capital a which means the agile methodology um, the whole, you know, kind of framework and, and software development and things like that. Well, if you just take that and try to sit it on top of the, the audit process, it doesn't really make sense. What he was saying is we need to use it agile with a lowercase a, where we take, you know, uh, pieces from that and apply it to, to what we're doing. And so I think that's maybe what you're talking about where people are having issues or spending a ton of money is they're kind of using, you know, this they're trying to dump the whole thing on there without looking at it through the audit lens. And they're hiring consultants and spending a lot of money who's trying to help them overlay that on top of, you know, uh, the, the, the existing processes, you know, and it, 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 there, there are too many horror stories of it just not working and a lot of money spent and a lot of frustration. And it's bad enough when you have a bunch of people sitting in the office and you can have team meetings and you can work through stuff as a group, um, you know, and the frustration in dealing with a new implementation of something. But when you have to do it all sitting remotely, um, this is, it's an order of magnitude of frustration that you may not want to deal with, but you, you know, if you haven't started on the path, um, you really need to. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's great. There was at least three, I feel like solid takeaways on, okay, I just listened to this. I need to do A, B, C, um, and how to actually do that. So I very much appreciate that. I'm sure the audience does too. Hal, thank you very much for coming on. You're welcome. My pleasure. It was great fun. Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.